Welcome, everyone, to the Food, Farms, and Chefs radio show with restaurant industry author Kevin Wilson, highly acclaimed chef Gene Blum, and food photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Join them as they interview the biggest names in the restaurant industry, tell you about the latest food trends, and give you recipes and cooking tips, too. So let's get the show started. And welcome to Food Farms and Chefs Radio Show. We have a wonderful episode for all of our foodie family as we dive into the history of diners, then visit a chic restaurant that's offering a new brunch concept, and we'll end this week's show by letting you have your cake and eat it too. So we're beginning our show on Food Farms and Chefs by speaking about or talking about diners. Diners originated in 1872 from an idea that a Rhode Island entrepreneur, Water Scott, conceptualized when he turned a horse-drawn wagon into what we now call or consider grab-and-go foods. Later on, he found that he preferred a building building more modern versions of the quick um, convenient food vendors, which back then they were called lunch carts or lunch cars. Um, so he opened up, you know, his first lunch car, and then those lunch cars eventually took um, took on a life of their own. And people saw the convenience and saw that, you know, this is a way to make money. And so they started opening up, and more, more and more become becoming popular. Um, until it became a prefabricated thing in fa uh, factories where they were converting rail cars with um, or or like almost like a mobile home kind of style <clears throat> concept because the rail cars or the diners were very near narrow and could fit in a small space. Um, and then there were three major companies that manufactured them. Uh, the Worcester Company, the lunch, uh, the Worcester Lunch Car Company, the Tierney, and the Manhani. Uh, we've seen diners become more popular, you know, since then, and they offer numerous hot meals and are inexpensive. And up until more recent, they, you know, were available twenty four hours. But this was all based on Jerry Mahani's first ever stationary diner in nineteen thirteen. And then later down the road, years later down the road in the 1970s, the diners visually started becoming more and more like we see them today. Granted, a lot of times the diners have been modernized. People have gone on, companies have gone in and modernized it, um, renovated them to look more updated. But you do still find some of the diners that are kind of throwback to the 1970s when they were more popular and you could see them when they started you know, entering into television shows like um, <clears throat> like Happy Days or you know, into movies where you see Harry Met Sally or, you know, Pulp Fiction. Um, then, you know, to date, the, the number one state that has the most diners in all of the U.S. is the state of New Jersey. New Jersey is synonymous with diners. And, you know, the, but the oldest, the most historic diner is actually found in, in um, a town in Rhode Island. Port, uh, Port of Rhode Island called the 
Hort, the White Horse Tavern. And it is also a nationally, uh, nationally recognized historical landmark. Now, I'm saying all this to all of you because we love diners. I love diners. Jean loves diners. And we wanted to just bring up some of the diners that we've seen, that we've been to, and that we've enjoyed to all of you. So, Jean, why don't you get us started and let us let our listeners know what are some of the diners that you've gone to that you enjoy? Well, to start with, I absolutely love the White Horse in Rhode Island. It's an absolutely fabulous place. It is a destination if you're heading up that way. Well worth stopping in just to go there and to be part of that history and to experience it and just to look around and, you know, see the the landmarks there and everything that comes with that. Well, well worth that trip. Um you know, there are some great, great diners in the Philadelphia region, South Jersey region. And as you said, New Jersey is certainly the hot spot for them. There's some amazing diners. I grew up, um, my family had a diner on the boardwalk in New Jersey, in Seaside Heights, New Jersey. Uh, it was called the Whistle Stop. Um, it was a diner concept. It looked like two railroad cars. One was the kitchen. One was the dining area. Just a phenomenal you know, way to grow up, cut my teeth, learning to wash dishes at, you know, age eight, you know, kind of violation of all those child labor laws, but absolutely lovely way to grow up and experience that. And there are so many great things about diners. I mean, you can go so many different ways from the big Greek diners where, you know, you have 700 items on the menu. It's just fabulous to, you know, the little specialty places where, you know, Flo is your waitress and she's been there for 40 years and, you know, you, you work. I learned to cook breakfast in a diner and I learned to cook from an elderly woman, Bessie, God bless her. When the guests walked in, she saw them walked in, knew what they were having for breakfast and it was at their table when they were sitting down after they said good morning and bought their newspaper. So, you know, there's that, the, those memories that are so strong. And that's what I think diners really touch on. The the memories, the nostalgia, that, that wonderful comfort feeling that we all so, like so much. So before we go any further, I'll talk a little bit about some of my favorite diners in the New Jersey area. And I'm not going to do these in any particular uh, you Order. Know, way, but I am going to say that the first one I'm going to talk about is my favorite in, uh, in New Jersey, um, and that is the Vincent Town Diner. Um, you know, right there, um, just a fabulous little place. You walk in, you're made to feel so welcome, and they can do it one or two ways. If you're kind of grumpy in the morning, they will tell you straight out you're miserable. And I love that, you know, they're real honest about that, but you know, you're happy and, and cheerful, you know, a lot of family works there. It's just a really wonderful place. So the Vincent town diner in New Jersey, another one in Williamstown, New Jersey, Gates diner. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. fabulous, fabulous. Gates. I know Amaris, I'm touching on some of the places in your neck of the woods. So, you know, you can find me at any time. If you go yeah. distance down the pike, you get the Whitman diner. In Blackwood, you know, another really, really great place to go to. If you head over towards Glassboro University or, you know, no longer Glassboro, but you know, if you head over to Glassboro, New Jersey, you get the Monarch Diner, which is another classic, 
great comfort food place. And this is coming from a foodie, you know. And then lastly, in Clemington, I love the lamppost. The lamppost diner also, you know, really popular with some of my culinary people over in Jersey. You know, Rocco Galelli has been on the show. Uh, you know, Chef Nate, they're all big fans of, you know, these same few diners. Um, great places to go and have a business meeting and just relax and be among friends. And, you know, they make you feel uh, about family, you know. But if we come over to the Philadelphia side, there are some great ones. So really, really classic place that no one knows about. It's on 735 South 10th Street. Um, it is a classic no-frills, I mean no-frills diner called Morning Glory. And it's only a small little place, but man, the food there is absolutely phenomenal. You know, diners are one of those places too, and I am a diner gambler. I do things at diners that, you know, my wife and family shake heads at like all order liver and onions at a diner. And that's a pretty gutsy move, you know, you just, you know, it's not the same as ordering it from, you know, uh, a big name restaurant. So, you know, liver and onions is one of my mainstays um, at diners, uh, a French onion soup always, you know, just little things like that that we all tie into. But if you come into Philadelphia, the, you know, round the clock staple, the mainstay in Philadelphia, the Oregon Diner. And I know that people are going to give me others and you know, this and that. But the Oregon Diner is just really that that mainstay place that's been there forever on, you know, Oregon Avenue in Philadelphia. But if you want to get a little nostalgia plus, you know, a, a little bit of, you know, movie insight, you can go over to La Lanark, um, you know, in Delaware County that was made famous by, you know, Silver Linings Playbook where, you know, they, they filmed there. You can sit in that particular booth, um, be part of that that whole trivia, and they have absolutely great food. And then if you come into Philadelphia and a little bit this way toward Germantown Avenue up that way, you come up to um, Ridge Avenue, and at 6035 Ridge Avenue, you have Bob's Diner. Um, been there since 1935, just a little place on Ridge Avenue that has so many, 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 many great, you know, feelings and nostalgia and, and just, you know, good food, comfort food, you know, to it all. I mean, and people don't know that Reading Terminal Market has a diner right inside of it. And, you know, Jack McDavid, you know, has been running that diner called Down Home Diner for, you know, God knows 20 plus years. And Jack produces some great comfort food right in the terminal Ready Terminal Market. I highly suggest, you know, stopping in if you're at the market, stop in and have breakfast at Down Home Diner and, you know, really, uh, you know, enjoy that. Never be afraid. And, you, you know, you're out on the road, you're traveling, stop in. You know, diners are one of the friendliest places that you'll ever go to. Uh, there's a great commercial right now about Jim Beam and, you know, where it says, you know, if Jim Beam's welcome, you're welcome. Well, I think that we're all welcome in the diner. The people come in, the regulars, they look at you, they give you that smile in the morning. And, you know, at the, the party and the waitress gives you that, you know, goodbye, come home, come again soon. And then, you, you know, you get some great comfort food in between and breakfast is a way to go. 
my favorite memory of a diner ever. There's a diner in Burlington, New Jersey. Um, it's called the Burlington Diner. And when we were go with your, we were young, there was a, a waiter there. It was an elder gentleman who never wrote anything down. He had a kind of a great memory and it was just really cool. And it, you would come and there'd be, you know, seven people at your booth and he would take everybody's order. And then at the end, you know, the first time you were there, you didn't know you had to ask for the check and they would holler over to him and he would just spit out the amount. Never knew if it was the right amount or not, but he would just spit out how much it would go on. But it was worth it because, you know, six, seven, eight of you in a booth and he would have everybody's order correct. And, you know, down to the type of toast you were having. I mean, it was a really wonderful, you know, really, really wonderful experience. And then, you know, when I was in college, there was, you know, that ultimate diner in Doylestown, which was the college greasy spoon diner, you know, and, and we used to love to go there, but, you know, Ed's no longer exists. It closed down years ago, but, you know, at Del Val, you know, Ed's greasy spoon. So, you know, people like Joe Jascott, Craig Edgerton and I, you know, all remember Ed's with, you know, that was the place you walked to at two thirty in the morning to get, and then literally the grease would run off the plates, but, you know, we didn't care. And that's the way it was. And if you want to take one more, you know, trip out for a great experience, if you're a Pennsylvania person, head out to Penn State, go to the Yale College Diner, get some grilled stickies, enjoy it. Just, you know, great experience. The Yale College Diner in Penn State is, is another one of those truly classic places. You know, you get the grilled stickies and you have breakfast and it's just a wonderful thing. I mean, that's a little my take on, on diners. Amaris, I'm going to ask you, what are yours? I mean, I have to agree with you with the Vincent Town Diner and John Cole, who used to be um, on the show when it was previously run a different way. You know, he had introduced me to Vincent Town Diner um, and it was you know, one of the best experiences that I've had in a long time and the previous owners, you know, are actually, you know, the, the son took over ownership um, of Vincent Town Diner and they've renovated it and modernized it a little bit, but there's still like a throwback counter space um, in the Vincent Town Diner where, you know, they kind of left that so that it had an homage to how it used to be. Um, but they have amazing foods and, you know, <laughs> every time that I go there, it's, it, they it's always young, delicious. Um, but I want to also kind of touch base on the fact that I grew up partially in Connecticut. So I, you know, was, I, I know that I was first introduced to diners in Connecticut, like being, you know, being on the road, because we used to travel all over the place. We used to travel to Florida, to New York, to, you know, at Vermont, everywhere. Um, so I, I know that I've been to a lot more diners than I can recall because it was when I was a child, but it was always something that was, you know, classic and like on the road traveling, like if you're hungry, you see those lights or, you know, like a sign for for a diner and you know, like it's going to be open. It's going to offer a eclectic collection of food. Generally speaking, it's comfort food, but if you're hungry, you know, like very hungry, ravenously hungry, um, you can, and, and you get there early enough, you can have early bird specials, which, you know, if you're on a budget, or if you, you know, if, if you're looking to like have leftovers, or again, if you're extremely, extremely hungry, there's always those dinner menu meals. Um, and I know, you know what I'm talking about, Gene, because they have those inserts and it's always daily specials and like, but it comes with a soup, a salad, 
pickled <laughs> cats, the mm-hmm. bar, the meatloaf. Yeah, the, the things you know you can't get anyplace else. Salisbury steak, you know, chicken croquettes. Nobody makes that anymore, but you get them in diners. Exactly. And I've been like um, on the road a lot and meeting up with one of my friends. I said this to you before we started recording. Um, We've been going to Barbie, Chef Barbie Marshall and I have been meeting up um, at various uh, diners in our area throughout the tri-state area. And uh, the the latest one that we had gone to was... uh, Broad Street Diner, which is up in North Jersey, and uh, and apparently it's a a, a well known famous diner. Um, so we started doing that, but I've been notoriously getting um, getting chicken croquettes everywhere I go because to me that that is if you if you can do that and execute a chicken croquette and it turns out properly, you know it that is an iconic diner food to order. So I, you know, I, that matters to me, but, um, one of the biggest things that I used to visit is Medport diner in Medford, New Jersey, cause I grew up in this area and that was the only thing to do as a kid. So I, you know, I just want to kind of give a nod to Medport diner for <laughs> entertaining my friends and I, while we were growing up and, you know, also being, there still so we can go there and, and enjoy it and then also um you know mentioning media related diners there is a diner that's in west berlin new jersey and it's off of uh, main street and they have delicious um hot chocolate really awesome food um but one of the the things that's kind of cool is still to this day they have um, like one seat that's reserved and it has a plaque because it was in Jersey Girl. So you can literally go where Jenna, um, J-Lo and Ben Affleck were, were seated and sit sit there, take a picture. It's a whole thing. Sometimes you actually have to reserve the seat there. Shout out to West Berlin, New Jersey and to Medford, New Jersey's Medport Diner. Um, Vincent Town Diner is one of my favorites. And I agree with you with the Oregon Diner. I love Oregon Diner in uh, Philly. Um, But on that particular note, I am so happy that we were able to discuss diners with all of you and we will be go to a commercial break. And when we come back, we will be speaking with one of the chic restaurants in Philadelphia. To become a sponsor of our show and have your business or event promoted on every single podcast platform, two Philadelphia radio stations on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. evening drive time and FM station in New York, send us an email to either foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com or diningonadive at yahoo.com. Hi, all of my food farms and chefs family. I want to introduce you to Libertine, which is located inside Fairfield Inn and Suites at 13th and Spruce in Philadelphia. It opened in 2018. And however, <clears throat> you can have a history of restaurants. Oh, you, you, Chef Derek Davis, um, you have a history in owning Uh, different restaurants from conception to fruition um, and have made them extremely successful. 
Uh, but before we get into Libertine, I was wondering, what are some of those restaurants that you work, that you've brought into fruition and what is your history? Like, where did you study to become a chef? Wow. That's a, <laughs> that's a lot. I know. Well, first, well, first of all, my first job was at 12 years old at the corner of 13th and market. It was a place called Hoagie city. <laughs> And they had like nine stores across the city. And I learned a f- bunch of things there. Um, but, um, you know, I always wanted to be a chef. Uh, I always loved working with food. And I always liked um, controlling the whole situation, too. You know, from the music that's played in the restaurant to the, the server, what they're wearing, you know, the style of service, even the plate plates we use so yeah so i've i've actually uh conceptualized designed built probably about 15 restaurants in my long career um my first uh one that was any major success was called sonoma and that was in uh maniunk on main street and from there we opened up four others on Main Street. And, uh, you know, that was the, the roaring 90s. And, uh, you know, life was really good. And um, stayed on Main Street for 25 years, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Finally, I was like, my lease was up. And it's like, ah, I need a change of scenery, you know. Need to get back to the city. I hadn't been in the city for so long. And, um when the corner of 13th and Spruce opened up, you know, I just thought it was a great opportunity block from the Kimball center, you know, right there in the neighborhood, midtown <laughs> village, if you will. And, um, you know, there's all kinds of action around there. So, um, yeah, Libertine opened in, uh, June of 2018. Unfortunately, uh, we shut down for a full year for COVID and then, uh, reopened in April, actually a year to the day. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Are you going to have a reopening anniversary? Of course not. That's <laughs> funny, though. Hey, I actually did have a birthday party for myself when I turned 33 and a third, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So you're a yeah. Harry Potter fan. <laughs> oh, that was long before Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. But yeah. Well, <laughs> so, I mean... I've looked over your menu. I haven't, um, unfortunately, I have not been to your restaurant yet, but I definitely want to after looking at your menu because your small plates menu, just on your small plates menu, I want to, I'm like, I want to order everything on that. I mean, your entire menu looks delicious, but your small plates menu, I was like, I would just go there and have like a, you know, multiple tables because that seems like it's going to be a lot, but. (laughs) You know, I've always. I've always said anything worth doing is worth doing well. Any job worth doing is worth earning a living at. So, you know, I might take some things that are kind of common, but yet, you know, I don't want to say we elevate it, but, you know, we do it from scratch and, you know, we do it the right way. You know, it's not dumbed down or bastardized. You know, we just have, we just have fun with the food, I guess, really. That's the main thing. Well, yes. And, you know, that's, you know, obviously one of the more important parts of owning a restaurant is because you're not going to have people coming in or wanting to come back if your food is not tasty or delicious. Um, 
And certainly, you know, consistency is one of the the big things within, you know, the restaurant community. You want to be consistent with what you're plating. Actually, you know, to touch on that word consistency, that's probably the most important thing. You know, people want to know what to expect. It can be consistently awful. <laughs> it can be consistently <laughs> mediocre. As long as it's consistent, they know what they're getting and they keep coming back. I mean, I don't want to bust on McDonald's, but McDonald's is consistent, right? You know, I don't eat there, but I guarantee it tastes the same as it did 20 years ago. That's that's what people want. They want consistency. They do want consistency. Um, now, speaking of consistency, you are going, you actually added, I should say, to your your options more recently in on September 17th, if I recall, you started a brunch uh, menu. Right. So we've always brunch to me is like, honestly, the easiest meal of the week. And it's easy because people are all coming in to have fun. They're having a good time. They're celebrating. They're relaxing. There's, it's just a lot less stress uh, from the diner than on a typical weekday or weeknight, you know? And, uh, so, so yeah, we try to have fun with the brunch. Um, one of the things that we do that's probably pretty unique is we have what we call a toast bar. And it's, it's just a small buffet, and I make up um, different spreads, you know, lox and cream cheese. And this week it was uh, blueberry preserves and peach preserves and um, different ice creams and butters. And then we do uh, different types of breads. Uh, there's always like a sourdough and a whole wheat. I make bayali by hand every week. And bayali is a, um, it's a simpler version of a bagel, I guess. It's it's not, um doesn't have a long two, three day ferment that a bagel does. And it has, um, and it's not boiled, but, you know, a fresh bayali, you know, and on Sunday morning, you know, with some cream cheese is amazing. And then I do, you know, handmade bagels also. It's it's funny, you know, one of my favorite jobs as a kid, I worked in a bagel bakery. And um, I loved it because it was just so physical and sweat, and, you know, you had to move fast. But the, the, the least common bagel for years and years was the everything bagel. <laughs> and, and now all of a sudden, you can't keep them in stock. The everything bagel is what everyone wants, you know. I mean, God, you know, even Trader Joe's now says sells everything bagel spice, you know. <laughs> but um, my my favorite's always been the sesame bagel. I always did like everything bagels, but you know, yeah. So that's the toast bar. That's pretty cool, you know. So people place their order and they you know get to go over there and get what they want, start snacking, you know, while their eggs are being cooked or whatever. So, um, yeah, we, you know, it's, it's just an easy, fun, stress-free kind of a day. And I agree. Um, you know, weekends are always typically, unless if you're working it, um, are going to be an easy stress feel, uh, stress-free day. But, um, I want to also add in, you know, that you are giving back cause you mentioned that you're in the neighborhood area of Philadelphia. Um, so for our listeners, you know, obviously this, this pertains to an area of 
of the city where, you know, every city has different sections there, you know, and like an Italian market, like, you know, that's in South Philly, <laughs> this is the neighborhood area. And, you know, there's usually an upswing in trendy restaurants there, but you are going to be utilizing um, September and October to give back to one of the local organizations. So do you want to let our listeners know about that? Yeah. Well, the, the William Wade's right up the street from us, a half a block. And they do all kinds of great programs. You know, there's sports leagues there. There's counseling. There's family stuff. And, you know, obviously it caters to the LGBTQ community and whatever other letters. But, um, yeah, so, you know, we, we do, uh, obviously, we're part of the community. We're, we do a lot of business with the um, folks that live in our neighborhood. And, you know, my God, you know, there's it's just a natural that we uh, would uh, partner with them. Yeah. To give back to the community. Um, So in what other ways, like what other ways and what other things do you offer or give back to the community um, that you reside in your restaurant resides in? Well, actually, so I said the William way is a half a block from us. A block from us is the Williams, the Wilma theater. (laughs) And uh, we also uh, do a sponsorship with them. Um, you know, because again, the, the theater community is real important. You know, we're right at the Avenue of the Arts. The um, the University Arts is right next door to us, also. So, uh, you know, that's that's always a big one. And you know, I've always been involved with the hunger charities, also. You know, for for years and years, I just it just always boggled my mind. A country as rich as ours, you know, we still have hungry people. We still have people living on the streets and. That's just uh, mind-boggling that that we had that situation. But nevertheless, you know, we, we do what we got to do. There's actually um, half a block past the Wil- Wilma Center is the Broad Street Ministries. And uh, I've dropped off clothing to them. I've dropped off, you know, bags of socks because, you know, the people living on the streets like socks. So, uh, you know. We, we do, you know, we do what we do, but we're quiet about it. There's no reason to, to, uh, to, to promote it. I, I mean, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, if you promote it just a little bit, you don't have to like put it out there so that, you know, it's your main thing. But like, I feel like people, you know, our listeners and, you know, anybody like walking down the street, you know, they'll, they'll feel more inclined to, to give back, like to eat at your restaurant outside of the fact that it looks amazing and delicious. Yeah. Um, Well, obviously, I mean, you know, there's, of course, of course, you know, but yeah, the, the, the obvious thing is that it, you know, it looks nice and it's inviting. And, you know, our, our motto um, includes the word hospitality, fine hospitality. And uh, all too often, you know, you, you go to a restaurant and it just takes you to a table, you place your order, your food comes and you pay the bill and you leave. And <laughs> you know, you're not making a connection with anybody. You know, there's no extra above and beyond. And, you know, not only do we try to be part of the community, but we we try to recognize the people in our community and make sure that uh, you know they become our friends, not just our uh, our customers. 
And that's important. Um, now, I want to touch base on the fact that, yeah, you are in the area of the avenues, Avenue of the Arts and that you um, that you have a, a large, like some somewhat large collection of wines and whatnot. So, you know, if people want to go to your establishment for a dinner and a show, um, you're definitely right there where it's a perfect area to, to you know, entertain that idea, to go out to dinner, grab a couple oh, sure. of cocktails. Well, it's, it's interesting. We, I don't see many people having more than one cocktail before a show. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I know myself, I would be falling asleep too. So, um, yeah, well, first of all, you know, we do, we also partner with uh, two other theaters, the, uh, the Walnut Street Theater and the Lantern Theater Company. And uh, we do offer uh, pre-theater discounts for, for those who are going to those shows. But um, it's, it's cool, you know, being in the, uh, around the theaters, around the arts, uh, especially since we are, you know, next to a hotel. A lot of times, you know, those traveling companies will be staying at the hotel. So we get to know those people in the week or two that they're in town. That's pretty neat. It is. It is. I'm sure. Cause you know, everybody has a different personality and especially if they are traveling, you know, you can get, you, you get to at least have a little piece of where they're coming from and, you know, it makes them feel more welcome too when you have that conversation. Yeah. You know, I listen, I've, you know, owned and operated many restaurants and bars over the years and the hotel restaurant bar is pretty unique. Because, you know, you don't necessarily have the same regular customers all the time. You're always meeting new people from different places and, you know, different walks of life. And it's, it's really cool, actually. It's, it's very nice. When you're doing that, do you have any kind of, like, in influence as far as, you know, like say somebody from a different part of the country comes in and they, they, they're like, Oh, I've, I've had this before. And, you know, this is delicious, but you know, something that that's back home. Like, have you ever been inspired to add anything to the menu from, you know, some, some of your guests? Well, you know, yeah, actually, yeah. We, <laughs> one of the items on our menu is pimento cheese, you know, which is a staple of the South, you know, um, nothing I've ever had up here, but, you know, I had, guest asking for it and you know i saw some uh ladies on cooking shows making it so that was that's kind of fun <laughs> um yeah what well, actually you know obviously it, it's really obvious being in philadelphia people ask for uh where to get the best cheesesteak all the time <laughs> multiple times a week we're telling people where to go but i gotta tell you we have a cheesesteak egg roll on our menu that I make it with, uh, with filet mignon, with, with tenderloin. Wow. And, you know, I use Vidalia onions and the sweet onions and uh, Cooper Sharp American cheese. And for my money, it tastes better than any Philadelphia cheesesteak on a soggy semi-Italian roll out there. <laughs> but, uh, and that's obviously one of our more popular items. But yeah, people come to Philly, they want cheesesteaks. They want that experience. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Now, speaking of experiences, uh, Craig LeBon, who is a 
James Beard Award winner, um, he came in and he tried your burger and stated that that was one of his that like one of the best burgers he's ever had. I saw on your new brunch menu that you have a, a sunny side up um, burger. I really want to try that. But what are some uh, of the so, other? So the difference. So there's so first of all, in the brunch menu, you can have a choice of having that burger on a brioche roll or on a handmade bayali. But um, at brunch, the burger is eight ounces. It comes with bacon. I use Martin's bacon, which is uh, local to like um, South 202 near Lancaster. And when we uh, we cook it, we put a little brown sugar and some cayenne on it. We candy the bacon. And then um, Swiss cheese on that and um, an egg, any style. You know, most people, obviously, it's sunny side up. It gets kind of uh, messy. So that's, that's at brunch. But at dinner, our Parker burger is unbelievable. Now, the reason why it's called the Parker burger is because the building we're in was originally called the Parker Hotel, which was a uh, gentleman's hotel for many years, and then it became a flop house. It was the dirtiest, grungiest, <laughs> most drug and vermin-infested building in the city, probably before it was uh, totally gutted and rehabbed. But um, the the burger itself, when we were we were engineering it, I guess you could say, some years ago. So y- you know the word umami, right? Yes, umami. So umami is the fifth taste. It's what's the savoriness of the foods. And where um, the foods that are high in umami are <clears throat> dried cheeses, tomatoes, mushrooms. Um, so... So what we do, and and another thing was with the burgers, like when I eat a burger, I eat it pretty quickly and I can never taste the cheese. And and I got to the point where I was just ordering my burgers without cheese (laughs) because, you know, there's such a thin sliver of cheese. So, So we start with 10 ounces of beef that is not really work too hard and it actually has um, mostly chuck, but it's got about 20% dry aged sirloin strip in it. Okay, and then we liberally salt and pepper it. I only use um, Sicilian sea salt and a telecherry peppercorn, and it's thrown on the grill. Now you never push down on a burger on the grill, right? Because you push out the juices, so you just want it to sit. So first of all, that Maillard reaction that you get by charring something on this grill is your first moment where you're bringing your mommy into the sandwich. Now. When we serve the sandwich, we put it on a brioche roll with a black truffle mayonnaise. <laughs> so the black truffle gives it some more umami. Yes. We, use, we, we do a dry uh, roasted um, Roma tomato. We concentrate the flavor of that, a little garlic and uh, basil on that. And then we top it with fried onions that are soaked in buttermilk. <laughs> And dredged in cornstarch, and all these all these things are bring more umami to it. Yes. Now that sounds absolutely delicious, but unfortunately, we are out of time. So, can you let our listeners know where they can get that burger and sure. where they can? Well, well Libertine's right at the corner of Thirteenth and Spruce, uh, where the 
ground floor of the uh, Marriott Fairfield Inn. We're a block from the Kimmel Center, right in the theater district. And uh, we're open for dinner Tuesday through Saturday and brunch on Saturday and Sunday. All right, Chef Derek Davis, thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. And we will be right back after this short break. You can find Chef Gene Blum at ibfoodie2 across all social media or email him at ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com. And you can find Amaris Pollock at arpollockus across social media or email her at arpollockus at gmail.com to become a sponsor of the show or become a guest at Food Farms and Chefs. At this time, it is an absolute honor to speak with somebody who really knows how to get to the bottom of my heart, and that would be with sugar and sweets. So let me introduce Cassandra from Lizzie's Cakes and Convections. Cassandra, welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. Such a pleasure to have your radiant smile and your laughter with us today to talk about all the wonderful desserts and sweets you've been putting together and a little bit about you. So welcome. Yes, thank you for having me. And you talked about heart, and this is a cake company based all on heart. So thank you so much for having me. An absolute pleasure. So tell us, tell our listeners how you got started doing, you know, the the specialty cakes and the absolute delicious cakes that you produce. What was your inspiration? Uh, you know, what what led you to get into this world? So I call myself a homegrown baker. I'm not self-taught because I learned at the hip of my mother, Lizzie. And so she is really the muse for this company, Lizzie's Love Cakes. Um, I was the baby originally, and I say it that way because I do have some younger siblings. And I literally was at the hip of my mother every single time she was in the kitchen. So that's kind of the genesis, the creation, uh, my origin baking story, if you will, um, really in the kitchen with my mother, Elizabeth, or as her friends called her, Lizzie. She was not a Betty. She was a Lizzie. Well, I know just by looking at the background that I'm looking at now and for our listeners who are listening in, as she stands there, Cassandra has a backdrop of family portraits, mother, father, other family behind her. So it speaks a lot about the value of family, therefore the value of those celebrations and those sweets and those cakes. So it would have been absolutely a phenomenal thing to, you know, grow up on the hip of your mother, learning how to do that. What kind of things was she making? What were the family favorites? Oh, my goodness. So, of course, the seven up pound cake. That is the original Lizzie Love cake. Um, My mom would make all types of like treats and she was a great just cook in general. My mom was from the South. So Bunnell, Florida. Exactly. And that is right outside of Daytona Beach. So, I mean, I grew up with neck bones and rice. I, I mean, I grew up with collard greens, candied yams. My mom would make delicious cinnamon rolls and she didn't make them often. And when she did, like the house was buzzing. It was just like we couldn't contain ourselves. So, and my mom was a a big cook in our church. Um, Really, she really ran the kitchen. Uh, So that really was, I think, one of her um, purposes in life um, to convey emotion through food. Well, and that really is what it's all about. As we spoke earlier in the show, we're talking about 
memories and, and, you know, the significant of, you know, bringing back that comfort feeling and you speak to that and, you know, you speak to growing up with neck bones and rice and collards and I'm like, you had a great upbringing. I mean, <laughs> what the stuff that is for people who don't know and the seven up pound cake, if people aren't familiar, they're like, oh, what is that? Mm-hmm. You don't know heaven until you've had a piece. No, oh, oh. I love that. Oh, can I use that? Well, yeah, no. All yours. All <laughs> You know what? And I call these love cakes. They are definitely cakes of emotion. Ashley, as we sit here today, um, this is the 10 year anniversary of the passing of my mother uh, today. And on Friday was the eight year anniversary of my father passing. Um, He couldn't live without her. And when I say that this is a cake of emotion, I mean it. Um, You can't rush this cake. You can't be hurried. You can't be frustrated, angry, sad. And just a quick story. When my mother passed away, I was so focused. One of my main goals was to make sure that every cake at the, re- I mean, every table at the repast had a seven up pound cake on it. And so my first two seven up pound cakes were the saddest, ugliest, uneven, dense, heavy cakes that I have ever made, ever seen come out of my kitchen, my mother's kitchen, because that's what I was feeling. And just to know that, you know, what I'm feeling I can convey in food and specifically cake, it really, um, it does my heart well. Um, I, I love when people take a bite of one of my love cakes and they say, oh, it makes me feel of, feel like home. That really does touch me uh, because home definition is shelter where you reside. Home is really the place where you felt most supported, um, loved, where you felt as though you could jump over skyscrapers. Um, And if I am doing just a little bit of what my intention is, that is what you should feel when you bite into any of the love cakes. You know, you convey emotion just as you speak and it comes through in your desserts and and everything you do. So how did you make the leap from just being the home person to venturing into, you know, Lizzie's Love Cakes and, and, you know, going into retail and, and, you know, beyond? Yeah. So I'm an attorney by trade. So I'm coming up on my 17th year of practicing law. I actually supervise attorneys. And that is 100% a passion of mine. But as I crept closer to my 40th, we got to let that breathe for a second, birthday in 2020, I was like, you know what, Cassandra, you got to live and you have to live big. You have to dream, allow yourself to dream, do those desires of your heart. And so the pandemic sat me still because I'm, I mean, I'm involved in way too many things. I have two girls, uh, just, just way too many things. It sat me still. And it was like, really, what is the desire of your heart? And number one, it was to heal from the loss of my mother. Number two, it was to continue her legacy of love. And really, my husband pushed me. He's like, Cassandra, I think you should do this. So that is another layer of my cake origin story. I don't know why I'm going with this origin story theme. I'm a Marvel person. Like, just it's like a thing. Um, so we're going to do that. The, the cake origin story, that's another facet of it. And so I started off, um, my husband and I sitting at a table, we formed an LLC. (laughs) Um, I started making cakes and I wanted to push it further. So my mom is one of 15. 
Yes, one of 15, two sets of twins, triplets, um, the same parents. I call it down south loving. So I wanted to make it special and make it a femme forward company. So all of my cakes are named after my aunts. Um, and so I sat down and really started thinking about my aunts, their personalities, and every single one of the cakes that are named after my aunts really should make you feel like, oh my goodness, I know Aunt Rhonda. Oh, wait a minute. I know Aunt Mayamina. Uh, you know, so that's the, you know, we started crafting the recipes and then I started doing pop-ups. And then from there, like I got addicted to pop-ups. I got addicted to connecting with people, sharing with people, um, passing on that legacy of love. Um, and uh, I do pop-ups in South Jersey. I do pop-ups in Philadelphia. I do like private parties now. I have like little love bites. I'm getting real cute. Um, as <laughs> I continue on with my business. So as I grow forward, one of my goals is to have my own commercial kitchen space. Right now I'm in a commissary kitchen out of Patton Township. Um, so that is one of the goals. Well, what brought you to us is you're recently teaming up with one of our favorite entrepreneurial people, Laura Eaton at uh, Old City Kitchen in Philadelphia. Tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing with Laura. Yes. Isn't Laura a ball of fire? Oh my goodness. I'm so glad that we connected. So this Friday, September 30th, I'm teaching a baking class and I took it a step further and created a special recipe. So this will be the first time we're uh, bringing out this recipe. It is after my paternal grandmother, Ethelyn Nance. So it is a pear and cardamom cake. Very yeah. seasonal. And I love some cardamom. Um, so we're going to do that this Friday at Old City Kitchen. I believe the address is 218 Market Street at 630. It's family style. We're going to share love stories. Uh, we are going to share little love tips is what I call them. You got to make sure you get your air bubbles out of your cake batter before you put it in the oven. So we're going to share some love tips. Um, each person is going to walk away with a slice of uh, love cake. Um, each person is going to walk away with too many love cakes. I call them lovelies. They're a little four inch uh, wide bunt pound cake. So we are going to have a fantastic time. There are still tickets available. It's a limited number, so it will get cut off. Um, so I'm very excited to share that this Friday. Well, and I know from speaking with Laura, she expects an absolute sold out event because your cakes are so absolutely delicious and so wonderful. The family history you bring in today and, and being a mother of two girls, I am a father of four girls. So I understand, you know, that value of bringing things in and my daughters, um, although they're, you know, a little bit older, they're in their twenties. Um, oh, my baby's about to turn 21. God, I'm getting old, but <laughs> you know, the holidays are very special to them because I, like you, reproduce those family recipes. My father's Jewish apple cake, mm. my father's soups, uh, you know, some spirits that we brew at the holidays, different things, his nut bread, you know, little things like that. And it's so wonderful to see them jumping in now and wanting to do the same and can you teach us how to do that and can you you know and and neither of them are you know cooks by any means and not what they do but they really want to carry on those traditions and you know so what you're doing carrying on the legacy of family is so absolutely special 
and you do it with such joy and enthusiasm. You know, your kind of teacher is one that I would have loved to have with, you know, the, the smile, the joy, the happiness of what you're doing because baking to so many people is, you know, this science that no one gets because, you know, it, it baking is not something that people often think you can bring your heart into like a recipe of cooking. You know, I could bring me into that baking. People think is, Oh, it's, you know, it's black and white. It's, you know, one, two, mm-hmm. three, you have to do it that way. And you don't approach that at all. So, you know, kudos to you for really making it, you know, fun and enjoyable and, you know, just different. So what's next for you? Well, so what's next for me? And just thank you for those compliments. I'm receiving all of that. And I didn't know I was in the presence of the original girl dad. So when you said you had all girls and I was like, oh, I thought my husband was a girl dad. And look at here. Um, so what's next for me? So I have the baking class um, coming up this Friday. Then after that, my pop up season is in full swing. I have a pop up on um uh, October 1st at Juana Tamala in uh, Philly at East Pass Young Avenue. And then the following week, October 8th, I have a pop-up. I'm calling it my homecoming pop-up. I'm from Norristown, Pennsylvania, born and raised, educated in the Norristown Area School District. I am doing a pop-up at ShopRite in East Norton in uh, sure. my old stomping ground. So I'm very, very excited about that. And then the holiday season, it, it gets kind of... Um, uh, crazy in the best way possible during the holiday season. So we're getting prepared for that. And our two year love anniversary is coming up on November 3rd. So we're getting prepared for that as well. So where could people find you on social media or as we come to the holidays, if people want to get some of your incredible seven up pound cake or other sweets to really bring that family spirit home to their residents and to their family and home where can people follow you or find you to reach out yes so i'm on instagram and facebook at lizzie's l-i-z-z-i-e-s love cakes and our website is lizzie's lovecakes.com and for our listeners out there you can go to oldcitykitchen.com to purchase tickets for this friday I assure you, you will not be disappointed. What you're going to live or leave with and what you're going to learn that day is going to be an incredible experience coming into the holiday season, coming up to Thanksgiving and Christmas, and you will not be disappointed. So go online to oldcitykitchen.com. Cassandra, thank you so much. We look forward to hearing more about your ventures as we get closer to the holidays. And uh, really just thank you for what you bring to the culinary world and to the pastry world and for keeping that legacy of family going forward because really that's what food is all about. Thank you so much. I'm honored and thank you for extending your platform to me and you keep on connecting with people, drawing out their stories, motivating them uh, because this was a huge motivation for me. So thank you so much. All right. Our pleasure. Thank you so much, Cassandra. And for everyone, you can tune in to Food Farms and Chefs by researching it on your favorite streaming platform or by tuning in uh, at WWDB at 8, 8, 860 on 
Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Or on Fridays, you can go to 103.7 WMLD at 1 p.m. Gene? You can find me across social media at Gene Blum or IB Foodie 2, where you can email me directly at IBFODIE, the number two at yahoo.com. Everyone, have a great week. Enjoy and hope to see you all at Old City Kitchen on Friday.